Welcome to the You Collective Pathmakers podcast. Today we have Ali Shamshiri with us. Ali, thank you so much for making the time. We're excited to talk to you. It's my pleasure. So let's talk about your path because you have a very interesting path and、uh, love to、uh, hear more about it. Right. So I I am a scientist. I'm a neuroscientist specifically, and I've moved around the world basically trying to follow po- like projects that I'm really passionate about. And I've moved from. So I'm originally from San Diego. I went from San Diego to London, London to Geneva, and now I'm in San Francisco. Wow, that's quite a journey. Tell us more about what made you to move to those different、uh, cities and. What you've learned from that、uh, personal、uh, kind of world tour? I mean, basically, the reason why I moved was really to follow the research. The so the reason I went to London in the first place was actually to study for my master's in cognitive neuroscience at UCL, which is University College London, and they had a fantastic program with some really world-renowned researchers. And I figured, you know, I'm going to apply. We'll see what happens. And then I got the acceptance letter in the mail, and I was like, "This is absolutely perfect for, you know, my my life and my career and the, my experience as a person. I guess like to experience a different culture, and it was just such a lovely moment in my life. And then after I realized that I could do that and just change everything and move towards something that I find interesting, I just kept doing it. And I guess you get kind of addicted to that. You get addicted to that sense of Following projects, following you know research that's interesting, and that's that's where I am now, and that's why I'm in San Francisco. Great. So, so you study cognitive science undergrad,、mm-hmm. and then you continue to pursue that at UCL in London,、yeah. and you received a PhD in、uh, similar field, I think,、mm-hmm. and、um, and then you went to University of Geneva. Tell us more about what you were. Doing at University of Geneva and、uh, some of the research that you were exploring. So the majority of my time、uh, as a researcher has actually been spent working with epilepsy. In Geneva, we tried to map the brain to try and understand how the connectivity of the brain is different in people with epilepsy versus people who are healthy. Um, and one of our main goals was also to map, do pre-surgical mapping, which basically for the one of you know for patients who aren't responsive to medication, it is an option to have surgery. And for those patients, we need to be able to understand how the epilepsy travels through the brain, where it comes from. So then that is the area that we can resect. And part of my job was to identify the area of resection, or like the bit of the brain that we would take out, and also to understand how the brain changes before and after surgery. And just for our audience who are not really in this field,、uh, right. tell us why this is important and why you're passionate about this、uh, this research. So I think in a lot of different areas in neuroscience, we just know so little about the brain. And there's multiple different, you know, neurological diseases, psychiatric disorders that we just we really we know so little. And for me, this is exciting and it's interesting. So every step forward is, you know, you're making the world different. You know, you're you're actually contributing to something. And 
you're part of this community where you're not just interacting with people who are scientists, like engineers, physicists, biologists, like you're also interacting with everyday people. Like there was, there have been multiple times where I will be, I don't know, like when you're at the pub or something like this and you people over here and they say, Oh, Oh, you research epilepsy. Oh, my, my cousin actually has epilepsy or so-and-so has, there's always that real life, connection and I don't know it's it's nice to feel like what you're doing is actually trying to make the world a little yeah. bit better yeah. you know it's, it's it's a lovely and I know that sounds a bit selfish I guess because it's that good feeling that you get you know but I really did I don't know that that was a lot of that was really rewarding honestly in London as well as in Geneva that was one of the really lovely parts of my job is yeah having people be like oh that's really interesting I you know I'm, so, I'm glad you're doing this like <laughs> yeah so it can uh, really the study of the brain as you said it's uh, so relatable to a lot of the um, challenges that people face and it's still not well understood so so tell us more about as a scientist and uh, who studied brain since your undergrad days what are some of the most uh, common ways for scientists to understand human brain and how to use data uh, given the rise of data science and AI to help accelerate that research? I mean, right now the focus is interdisciplinary work. So we, on our team, you have psychologists, you have psychiatrists, you have biologists, you have people in computer science, you have people from everywhere. And I think that that is the way forward. I think that you need to get people from a lot of different, even if it's not necessarily, as you say, like sort of like, you know, pure science background, like, you know, really old, like physicists and, you know, uh, chemists and things like this, but also maybe from the neuroscience, you know, the like psychologists and things like this. I think we all we're all working together and this is a good example is for the pre-surgical meetings for example you don't have just the surgeon and their doctor you know like let's say their GP or someone like it's not just two people in a room you have an entire team of people from with different perspectives with different information like for I work in, in neuroimaging so the work I do is with EEG and fMRI um, which is uh, so fMRI functional magnetic resonance imaging um, and so we all have to contribute in our own way. And I think that, that that's the way forward is we all have different expertise. We all have different interests and that that's, that's how it works. Otherwise yeah. we're, we're paralyzed. We can't do anything unless we work together. Yeah. And do you see, you know, certain advances in the tools and, and the platforms that you can use to understand the science of human brain? Do you see uh, advancements in, in the tools that enable you for your research in the past 10 years? Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been absolutely massive. I think part of this sense of sort of inter international collaboration, I mean, that is how that, you know, that's, you go to a conference and it's not just for the sake of going to a conference. Like you talk to people, you get new ideas and for MR research, especially like we have come such a, like so far, we've done so much work and 
we're able, especially with the um, like 70, so the stronger magnets um, for the scanners, you can you get really beautiful high resolution images, and this will hopefully be able to help us to identify very specific, very minute changes in the brain that will, you know, better define different diseases and different people with different illnesses. And so I think that we have come a really long way, or even like statistical analyses, we've really, like you, you mentioned AI, like we use this for the brain as well. It's not, I think a lot of people, when they think of uh, AI, they think of maybe more towards like robotics and things like this, which is, you know, we also use this as well. But we, I don't know, it's, it's that integration. I think that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Yeah, and uh, um, how? What? What are some of the challenges? Kind of working in this field. Uh, obviously, there are lots of opportunities, but what are some of the biggest challenges that you think? Uh, you know, this field uh, confronts and uh, uh, need to be solved. I think it's funding. It's re- it's quite sad, actually. I think funding is the main issue. Um, People are still interested, I think, in research and the brain and all of this stuff. But I think, unfortunately, it does take a it's, it's on the back burner for many people's minds. And, you know, a lot of people it's, it's unfortunate, especially when you're looking into psychiatric, because right now the work I'm doing is actually with schizophrenia. And, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, well, these people, they're, you know, I, I hate using this word because it's awful, but it's it's very it's common vernacular. Like, oh, it's people are crazy. We shouldn't, you know, why should we bother? Right. And and so you for certain diseases and for certain research, you just don't get funding. Right. And it's really sad because it's not that you're only researching that group. Like we, like I said before, I, and I'm sorry if I keep repeating myself, but like we all work together. We all, all, every idea from one field always translates to another. And this idea of like, oh, but that's not an interesting thing to look at, or we're not interested in that as, you know. Right. But the study of the brain and the data and the insights come from that could benefit multiple groups of patients, researchers, individuals, and and, uh, research initiatives. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point. Um, So let's kind of get back to uh, how you started all this. Like, why were you interested in cognitive science and what sparked that interest as you were heading into your undergrad and and graduate studies? Um, Well, it started off, I was always interested in memory. This is just something I've been, you know, passionate about. I cannot say that there was one specific moment in my life where I was like, Ooh, this is, this is the inspirational like day, like Wednesday on February, I don't know, February. Um, like that, that didn't really happen. It was just sort of like a slow burn. Um, so it started off with being really interested in memory, which made me go into psychology and cognitive science. And then because a lot of, uh, different diseases have, depending on what you have, like have issues with memory, then I started getting more interested in clinical work. And then the clinical work led to epilepsy. And then the epilepsy led to neuroimaging. And then neuroimaging led to like simultaneous recording, some more methods based. Um, And now I'm here. (laughs) And now I'm I'm kind of like a, a hodgepodge of lots of different, you know, technical as well as very clinical aspects. And yeah, that's, that's, it's kind of, it was a slow movement and it might change as well. I mean, I'm very, I think that's the thing personally, like I'm, I'm quite open 
to new interests. I don't think that, I, I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like your interests are constantly changing as you're getting older and you're looking at different things, you know, hearing different stories. And it's just a constant moving, uh, constantly moving. So I don't know. I, I think that we'll see by next year. <laughs> maybe it might be different, but for, yeah. now, for now it's still. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, to hear and uh, I, I do agree I, I think a lot of times um, interests can change and it's really the values and the skills that a person accumulates and uh, has really ground uh, kind of the the, the future um, tell us a little bit more about kind of um, someone in you know studying neuroscience have been in very different environments in different countries how do you overcome challenges whether it's you know hitting a wall in your research or not quite really sure where uh you know your next opportunity will be how how do you uh, overcome that um in in your field um, well, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of, uh, you know, things that are blocking me um, in the past. Like, I think one of the big ones for uh, when I was in England, when I was in London, was funding. I know I mentioned this before, was funding, especially because a lot of our funding was cut because of Brexit. That was a massive issue. And then uh, when I moved to Geneva, I didn't speak French when I first moved there. And so language was, you know, that was quite a barrier as well. And I think for any of those, any sort of situations like that, you just kind of have to, for me anyways, it was one of those things where I had to realize like, okay, this is an issue. You have to move on to the next thing. You have to, you have to keep going forward, like for the French, for example, it was quite difficult for me, especially when you're a native English speaker. It's, it's unfortunately, you know, I, I mean, in the States anyways, we don't really have, um, we don't get early exposure in schools for second language, third language, whereas in Switzerland, for example, they have multiple languages that they have. So for me, it was quite difficult to learn something new um so the french took quite a while <laughs> to um to learn and but i just kept taking classes and you keep going and that was one thing um and the culture is very different uh the way people speak to each other the way workplace environment is completely different than it was in both the us and in england and it's just it's it's odd it's kind of a shock at first and then you just have to learn how to adapt and when you learn how to adapt, I think people become a little bit more open and a little bit more understanding because they see you trying. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that was the big thing is like, I feel, I don't know, I don't know. I, I felt like the more I tried, the more people were willing to give me like the benefit, of, you know, the benefit of the doubt or like a second chance. Like, okay, maybe she can't speak French very well, but at least she's giving it a go. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think with like, I mean, to go back to the, the Brexit issue in England, we, it's still, it's still, a, it's quite sad, actually. I mean, I don't know political views of your listeners or of you yourself, but like, it's, it's, um, it's quite a sad situation to see when all of your collaborators are becoming more hesitant about working with you, not because of the work that you've done, 
you know, or the work that you want to do, but because of political restraints. And this is, this is quite a sad moment. And I think the best you can do is try and get involved and in, in not just the research aspect, but maybe a little bit more politically as well. And that's something that's really lacking in our community right now is, um, you know, scientists, as well as maybe even people who are outside the field, outside of STEM, to really be politically involved because it really does affect every single aspect of your life. I mean, when you go to a hospital, you know, a lot of the work that's being done is going to be, yes, it's done by a group of clinical workers and it's also done by researchers. And how well we can identify something is done because of our ability to, you know, collaborate. Right. And if we can't collaborate, then sorry, I keep going in circles. I really apologize. No, I really think uh, no apology needed. I think one of I think the two key takeaways I heard one is the ability to adapt, especially yeah. now uh, for anyone to be able yeah. to adapt in a new environment, a new situation, yeah. and continue to move forward uh, with yeah. the work that you're passionate about. I think the second key takeaway you said is. It's not a trivial matter to study human brains and these kinds of complex matters and topics require massive collaboration of people of different backgrounds. And um, mm. there are many different factors that contribute to constraints to that collaboration, which may hinder the long-term outlook of uh, solutions to very important problems that, that you're trying to solve. No, I think that's that's spot on. Um, Ali, tell us more about what you're excited uh, in this in the field of science as a scientist. Ooh, um, I well, honestly, you you kind of tapped on it before. Like, there's lots of new uh, methodologies that are coming out, and people, um, especially, I mean, in in San Francisco, uh, we're doing a lot of new work with sort of high field. And this is what I was talking about when you have um, very strong magnets where you have better resolution. This is, this is I think, the way to move forward. Um, that's, that's what does that do? Good. Just explain to our audience. What does yeah. high, high field, stronger magnet uh, do and yeah. their value? Yeah. So I don't know if, if you've ever experienced being in an MRI. Um, but usually clinically when you're going in an MRI, like it's kind of a tight space you're going in, you know, usually people don't feel it, it's just a little bit claustrophobic, but you don't feel sick. You don't feel like nothing, you know, un unless you're uncomfortable with tight places, like usually it's okay. You just pop in, you lay down, you have a rest. It's, it's not too bad when you're moving to high field. Um, we base what that basically means. It's a stronger magnet. And because it's a stronger magnet, sometimes there can be like a little bit of dizziness, for example. Um, but with that sort of compromise of being like a tiny bit dizzy, you get these absolutely beautiful images of the brain. Because when you're looking at the brain, you can get different quality images looking at different things. So if you're uh, really interested in looking at the structure of the brain, for example, you can take a specific type of image as something that's sensitive to specific parts of your brain, like um, your white matter or your gray matter, or like, um, I'm trying to think of a more reasonable way of describing this. Um, but there are, 
Yeah, you can do that. Or you can look at hemodynamics. So you can look at how the blood flow changes throughout the brain. That's also of interest. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing. And that is going to be very useful in the future to be able to look at very short periods of time, um, short windows of time of how the brain and the blood actually moves in the, in, as, as time goes on with certain activities or with um, different clinical changes. That would be really interesting. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. Really yeah. Um, so last question um, for students who want to go into science and especially girls who want to get into STEM yeah. and yeah. get into science. I mean, it's kind of intimidating to many people that you you know what you're doing uh, what advice would you give them if they have some curiosity about science and how do they continue that spark and continue to feel that interest yeah I think that it is it is a fascinating field and something that is really great about it is that it's constantly moving and you can go like wherever you want I think it's the world is your oyster sort of a thing like you can really you have to explore what you're interested in and it's not that you're tied to one specific place or one specific thing it's constantly moving constantly changing and that's the beauty of it and I think for people who are interested you know and and for girls I mean I'm, I'm all for girls moving into STEM obviously um, I think the key is not to get intimidated because it, I think there's lots of jargon that we use, which I'm, I've, I've even, I've been guilty of this as, you know, as we were speaking, I've, I've definitely used some jargon and I apologize for that. Um, but it's just because it comes natural and it's difficult not to use jargon. And I think people get kind of scared when we use certain acronyms or we say certain things, but everything can be simplified. Everything can be described at a more basic level. And I think that we are all humans and we are all naturally curious. And as long as you continue with that, I think that that gives you a really good chance of moving into, into any field, really. That's fantastic advice, Ellie. And uh, what a great uh, advice for all of our listeners and, and others who are interested in pursuing science. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us here at U Collective. And thank you for being a pathmaker. And we hope you come back in the future and tell us more about your research and what you're up to. Oh, thanks. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you.